Social media platforms can be mixed blessings for government agencies and the private sector. I'm Edward Siegel, a leadership strategy senior contributor for Forbes.com and author of the best-selling and award-winning book, Crisis Ahead, 101 Ways to Prepare for and Bounce Back from Disasters, Scandals, and Other Emergencies. Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and other sites can be used to help reach target audiences quickly in a crisis. But messages and misinformation that people post on the platforms can create a crisis for organizations. My guest today is Shannon Tucker, Vice President of Next PR. She offers her advice on how to communicate when a social media-related crisis strikes. Welcome to the show, Shannon. Thank you for having me. What's your experience dealing with a social media-related crisis? So I've been working in public relations for about 15 years now, and I feel like during that time, I've kind of seen it all. Um, For example, I worked with a popular hotel chain when they had a really disgruntled customer posting negative things about them on social media, and the post kind of blew up and went viral. I've also worked with clients who have had competitors who are spreading a lot of false information about them on social media to try to hurt their brand. I even worked with a company who fired an employee for participating in the insurrection on the Capitol building, and that employee took to social media to complain, and those posts went viral. So I've seen a lot over the last 15 years. So what happens when a post does go viral? Uh, How does uh, Twitter or Facebook or other social media platforms uh, create a crisis, especially for federal agencies uh, and businesses? Well, I think... A crisis can start on social media if you don't post something, but your audience is expecting you to. So that silence can really anger an audience. There can be a crisis happening unrelated to social media, but then if you don't have the right social media strategy in place, it can really exasperate it. One example would be when Adidas partnered with Kanye West He made some very inappropriate remarks and people were upset that Adidas didn't immediately cancel their partnership with him. The problem was it took so long and a lot of angry consumers were posting on Adidas's social media channels, really complaining and asking, when are you going to cancel this partnership? And so it really started to accelerate. And because they they didn't respond in a timely manner, it was a crisis. I will say there's examples of positive situations of companies using social media um, to connect with their audiences during a crisis. For example, there was a recent outage on Slack, and instead of waiting until Slack had all the information about when the platform would be back up and running, they took to social media to really engage with their customers and say, we know the outage is happening, we're working to fix it. And they were updating the customers throughout the day. Once it was resolved, they even used humor to try to help diffuse the situation. And so I think that's a good example of how you can turn a crisis um, on social media into an opportunity to connect with your audience. Is there a rule of thumb for how quickly or how often a company needs to respond on social media? 
I wouldn't say there's a rule because every situation is different and it needs to be tailored. There's plenty of examples where responding on social media is not the best move, and we can talk more about that. But if your company or agency decides that you do need to respond on social media, it needs to be done within a matter of minutes because the audience will get angry quickly if they're expecting a response and it doesn't come. But do you think there's a difference between how a government agency deals with a social media-related crisis and how a company in the private sector would respond to the same type of situation? Yes, there's a big difference. So with government agencies, they tend to be more risk-averse and want to ignore posts or avoid posting at all on social media during a crisis. And that's because they're under a higher level of scrutiny. So as a result, they tend to take a more buttoned up approach and that works, but it's important to make sure that you don't sound like a PR robot and that you add that human touch when appropriate and when you can. I think the Department of Defense is a good example of a government agency who does this really well. I would also say when it comes to the private sector, they have a lot more freedom. And we've talked about how you can use humor to diffuse a situation on social media, and the private sector has a lot more freedom to do that. Um, And then they also don't have to have as many rounds of approval or layers of red tape to go through. So the private sector can really respond a lot quicker on social media. You just mentioned uh, the use of of humor in response. Uh, What would be an example of that? So um, if you remember a while ago, Roseanne Barr, the comedian, she Um, made some really inappropriate remarks on Twitter about a politician. And she ended up blaming it on Ambien. She said, I took too much Ambien. I'm really sorry. And the makers of Ambien, they tweeted and and came out sort of saying, um, there's some side effects of our drug, but racism is not one of them. And so they kind of used social media to say, we're not in this. Don't put our name into this situation Roseanne is at fault here. Is there any example of a federal agency using humor or is that uh, kind of uh, defies the definition of a federal agency? I don't have a great example of a federal agency using humor. And I think that that's not surprising because of just the nature of of how um, that level of scrutiny that I talked about. And they have to be extremely professional and buttoned up at all times. But what I will say is if done correctly with the right situation, it can still work for government agencies. You just have to um, tread that line carefully. Well, how do government agencies and the private sector, for that matter, uh, how do they account for the possibility of a Twitter, Facebook, or other social media crisis in their crisis management planning? You know, it's interesting because the data that I've read says that about less than 25% of companies actually have a crisis plan. And then there's even fewer than that who actually use it or practice it or refresh it. And then even fewer have a social media component as part of that plan. So it's really important, first and foremost, that a crisis plan exists and it's not collecting dust on a shelf, that it's actually being updated 
monthly, quarterly, and people are, are role-playing and using it so that when a crisis does occur, they're prepared. It's also critical that a crisis plan has a social media component. That may sound obvious, but you would be shocked at how many companies or agencies sort of forget that social media must be included in those crisis plans. You need messaging templates that you can tailor and update quickly in the moment so that you can post that social media content quickly. Is there a preferred social media channel that companies should use? Again, I would say no, because it's so dependent on the situation. And it also is dependent on the company. I always consider who is your audience. So if your audience is maybe the baby boomer generation, Facebook might be your go-to platform. Um, Gen Z, of course, we know TikTok. So it really depends on who you are as a company and who your audience is when it comes to the preferred channel. Are there platforms that companies and even the federal government should consider staying away from? Uh, For example, Elon Musk and his takeover of Twitter, um, he's done a lot of things and said a lot of things that have driven a lot of people away from the site, whether it's pulling their advertising or deciding to post their messages elsewhere. Is there any risks for companies or agencies if they go to uh, Twitter to post their uh, information about a crisis? Twitter's an interesting one, and I'm sort of continuing to watch what happens with Twitter and Elon Musk before I sort of decide what those risks are. I think it's very much in flux right now. Um, But one that I will say that I want to warn government agencies about is TikTok, because there's a big security threat happening right now. The last couple of days, I've seen articles come out about politicians who really want to ban employees from using TikTok on government devices. Many have already banned it um, because of the fear that the Chinese government is spying on Americans. Um, The risk, though, is that government employees are still going to find ways to bypass security firewalls. So it's a really tough situation because Obviously, banning it will help with those security concerns, but it also puts people at a greater risk because I do think they'll still find ways to use it and it's going to be even less regulated. So government agencies that are using TikTok, especially for marketing and recruiting purposes, really need to find another way and work those alternative plans into their 2023 strategy. So in addition to accounting for a social media related crisis in their crisis management plans, how exactly should companies and agencies uh, incorporate that crisis into their testing of those plans? First, I think it's important for people to understand the difference between a crisis and an issue. So a crisis is obviously something that needs to be resolved urgently. It's something that interrupts your day-to-day business. Um, An issue can be more of a nuisance. It can be something that's equally important, but it doesn't need to be resolved urgently and it doesn't impact your day-to-day operation. So I think the first thing is starting by ensuring that you're not overreacting and assuming that everything that comes your way is a crisis. Now, if it is a crisis, it's important to align as an agency or as a company on some of those considerations about whether you should respond on social media or not. And for me, some of those considerations are things like opportunity. 
is there an opportunity to really assuage your audience's fears or to provide some transparency and some facts? It's also about risk. What is the risk if you respond on social media? Does it add unnecessary fuel to the fire? Does it make you come across as defensive? And then if it's related to someone else posting on social media negatively about your company or your agency, then I look at things like the prominence of the poster. Do they have a significant following? Is their post accurate and does it need to be corrected? The other thing that I think is very important for me to mention is the idea of deleting or hiding posts on social media, because that's a lot of companies first tendency to want to do when someone is posting misinformation about them. But I would say that that is not a best practice because it can make you look like you're hiding something. It can escalate the situation. If the person posting sees that you deleted their comment, they can get more fired up. So unless the comments are racist or derogatory in nature, I would say leave them and determine if it's um, a best practice for you to respond or to ignore. And what are the dangers if a company or a federal agency simply does not respond to a charge allegation or an, an accusation on social media? Do they run the risk of allowing that comment to become conventional wisdom? It's a it's a tough issue because there are some times where I would say it's not a good idea for you to respond to something like that because there could be some legal implications. So I think you just have to look at some of those factors that I mentioned. The prominence of the poster is huge in that situation. Is it just some random person who's stirring the pot, then no, I don't think it's going to become conventional wisdom. But if it's an important person who has clout and has a following, it could. So it really depends on the situation at hand. I, When it comes to crisis, I don't like to give blanket rules because every situation is so different. Um, but it is something you need to consider when deciding if you're going to respond or not. And who at an organization should be monitoring social media posts for these problems or these issues? That's another interesting one, because I think traditionally there's been this misconception that social media management is easy. It's something we can give to an intern. And that is absolutely not the case. Every company or government agency needs a social media manager, and that is a strategic role. That should be somebody who is senior, who has experience. And of course, they can have a team in place who can help them monitor the post. That doesn't need to be their main role, but there needs to be somebody in place who understands social media strategy. There's also a lot of tools that companies or agencies can use to help monitor. You don't have to be sitting there every minute on the minute checking your social media handles, there's tools like Sprout Social that can help companies uh, monitor in real time. So those monitoring tools, they would uh, uh, raise the alarm, if you will, if it detected a, a problem. How do, you, how do you program it? Do you program keywords or phrases or uh, do you know how that uh, technology works? 
all of the above. You can you can um, go into Sprout Social and you can monitor for specific keywords. You can monitor for the name of your company. You can even put in names of competitors because sometimes your competitors are posting negative things about your company. So you can put all of that into Sprout Social and really automate it to make your life easier. And then you will get an immediate real-time alert um, so you can bring your attention to it ASAP. Well, Shannon, are there specific examples of the good, the bad, or sometimes the incredibly ugly ways companies and agencies have responded to a social media crisis? Absolutely. I think one that comes to mind is the way that the CDC handled COVID in 2020. That's something that we can all learn from. They were highly criticized during the pandemic for issuing public health guidance that was confusing or ineffective, and they issued it way too slow. And their spokespeople have even come out and said publicly, we didn't do a great job here. Our crisis plan was extremely outdated. And I would be willing to bet that social media was not a huge part of their crisis plan. Social media is really supposed to make talking to your audiences simpler and easier and quicker. And that unfortunately they did neither in that situation. Conversely, I would say a company who does this really well, a public company is Ben and Jerry's. They're an ice cream company, but they are not just posting about ice cream. They're posting about the issues that matter to them um, as a brand like climate change or the women's march. And they're not afraid to get political or controversial because that's who they are as a company. For example, when George Floyd was killed, they came out swinging with a statement and it wasn't their crisis, but that's a good example of how a company should respond on social media during a crisis, which is quickly, assertively, and saying something substantial. I think smart social media management is not going to please everyone. A lot of people wanted Ben and Jerry's to really stay in their lane or they didn't agree with what they were posting. But in my opinion, it's better to stand for something because then the people that will align with you are going to become loyal customers. Now, I know that is very different with government agencies. They have to walk a fine line. They can't be Ben and Jerry's in most cases. But I do think some of the lessons from Ben and Jerry's Um, are things that government agencies should take away, especially about their ability to connect so well with their audience. Is there anything that can be learned from how some agencies, such as the Department of Transportation, uh, responded to a crisis? They were not responsible for it, but they had a role in helping to ensure it was not repeated. For example, the recent uh, number of cancellations for flights for Southwest Airlines the Department of Transportation stepped in very quickly to make it clear by social media and other means that they were looking at the situation and would be holding the airline accountable uh, for this for the crisis. Uh, what can other agencies learn from the proactive uh, uh, actions of the Department of Transportation? I think the biggest lesson there from the Department of Transportation is that they were not afraid 
to get involved and get involved quickly. Like you said, it wasn't their particular crisis, but their audience was expecting a response. And that's kind of what we talked about at the top of the show is that can really anger people is when your audience is expecting you to respond on social media or otherwise, and you don't. The silence in those cases is pretty deafening. So the fact that they responded and they responded quickly and assertively, and they came out and said something substantial, not one of these PR jargony, robotic, middle of the road responses, that's that's what I hope people take away from that. Those are the key pillars, quickly, assertively, and say something substantial if you're going to get involved. And in that case, they did the right thing. They should have. Are there any threats on the horizon that you think uh, government leaders and business executives should be prepared for? I think it comes back to security. Um, we've, you know, we've talked about TikTok and those security threats, and I think that's something that people really need to double down on. It's not getting any better, so making sure that you're prepared for potential hacks is something that everyone, whether it's a private sector company or a government agency, that needs to be top of mind. Of course, sometimes a social media crisis can be created simply by the comments or observations or posts of uh, employees or workers in an organization. To what extent is Glassdoor a potential threat for agencies and those in the private sector? Glassdoor is something that people often overlook. When you think of social media, you first think of Twitter and Facebook and, and LinkedIn. You're not necessarily putting glass of mind or putting Glassdoor top of mind. And I would say that it's one that should not be overlooked. Um, we're in an economy right now where people are unfortunately being let go because of fears of a potential recession. And so disgruntled employees are going to take to Glassdoor to talk about their experience at the company. And as companies are even looking to hire people in 2023, Glassdoor is the first place that they're going to look. And so that should be treated the same way that you treat other social media platforms. You should be considering whether or not you need to respond to the Glassdoor comments. And in most cases, I believe a best practice is you should be responding. Whether it's a positive review or a negative review, you probably in most cases should respond so that you can show that you're reading the reviews, that you're grateful for the feedback, that you hear what people are saying. It doesn't mean you need to agree with the negative reviews, but at least acknowledging the person can really help to diffuse the situation. A lot of times companies will only respond to the positive or they won't respond at all. And that can make a prospective uh, job candidate think that your company is disengaged or that they don't care about what the people are saying. And who at those organizations should be responsible for actually posting that response? Is this something the CEO should worry about, the chairman of the board, or do you think this is a, st a staff function? I think it starts with a solid HR team and social media team who can be monitoring Glassdoor and helping create um, strategic responses. But then I do think that in most cases, it's best if the response comes directly from the CEO, um, because it really shows the importance that the CEO puts into those reviews. In some cases, it could be the head of HR or the CHRO, um, but in most, I would say it should be the CEO or the executive director. I'm afraid we're almost out of time. Is there anything else you'd like to uh, share with us today? 
I would say I want to really double down on the importance of having a crisis communications plan with a social media strategy. I don't want people to think that the social media component is um, just something that's on the side. It really needs to be incorporated into these crisis communications plans. If you have a crisis plan or a social media crisis plan, and you've treated it as a box to check, and then it collects dust on the shelf, that is not going to help you when the crisis happens and emotions are high and you're a little bit panicked. So thanks for joining me today, Shannon. That's it for this edition of the Crisis Ahead podcast. My guest today was Shannon Tucker, Vice President of Next PR. Be sure to come back next week for more advice and insights on preparing for managing and recovering from a crisis or subscribe to crisis ahead wherever you get podcasts remember it's not a matter of if a crisis will hit your organization or company it's when and the sooner you're prepared for it the better produced by heartcast media